What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host DC, and of course I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey everybody, how's it going? So, on this one we're going to do things a little bit different. So, uh, this time our topic came about uh, from something that Locke sent me through a text message. And then we had a little bit of a disagreement in the text message. And it was one of those things where this would be a great topic. So I'm actually going to let him roll everything out to you and and tell you what we're going to be talking about today. So I think this topic is kind of a microcosm of uh, like our relationship, how we met and everything is. I just floated something out there because I know like, oh, we could talk about how this is a fact and everybody knows it and it's proven. (laughs) And you were like, well, yeah, that would be interesting, except it's wrong. And, and normally we would just duke it out for two or three days via social media or text message or whatever. Um, but this time we now have this new venue and we're like, you know what? Let's actually just shut up right now and save this for the podcast. And before I roll out the topic, another thing I want to say is today, not only am I woefully unprepared, yes. but the research that I did do mm-hmm. also proved that you might be right, but okay. fuck that noise. I'm going with it anyways. I stand by my point. Okay. But, I, but honestly, like, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but at some point, the kind of the point I want to get to, I think is kind of the same, mm-hmm. whether it's the, you know, whichever one of us is right, the ultimate point kind of wraps into, you know, uh, the same umbrella. So I think we'll be good. But my thought was that, the UFC lightweight division is and has always been the deepest and best division in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I felt like it's the best division, it's the most competitive, it's the deepest, and it's the most exciting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I just figured, like, well, yeah, that's a fact. Everybody knows that, right? It's, <laughs> it's true. This is a given. <laughs> and when I bounce that off you, you immediately, like, within right away disagree so you don't think the lightweight division is the best division correct not definitely not currently i believe currently um 170 is better if we're talking about fighter for fighter that 170 is better um than 155 now depth i think for some reason there's always more depth at 55 and I think it may have something to do with, you know, smaller guys being able to come up, bigger guys being able to come down. And it's it's where you get into that entry point of the 10-pound weight divisions versus all the higher ones where you have bigger jumps. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's deeper. But when you're talking about, you know, actually being better, more skilled, everything like that, that's where I would uh, disagree. But I'll let you... Uh, I'll let you continue. <laughs> okay. So so my thought on it is I think the the lightweight division. I think the fighters are kind of 
the best bang for your buck if you're looking for a fight from a skill set wise. Because I think when you look at the 25ers, right, they're exciting fights, but especially here in America, we just don't give a shit about little dudes. You know and what I, I mean? I have no idea why. It, it, it's weird. And they're <laughs> fighting their ass off because they're small and they have a ton of cardio and they're highly skilled. Nobody cares. You know, and then you get to the heavyweight division, which we all love, and it's the same 15 dudes that have been knocking each other out for 20 years. <laughs> right. right. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you could go six and two on the regional circuit, and next thing you know, you're fighting for the UFC on ESPN at heavyweight, you know? Versus you go to lightweight, and you could be a legit prospect, and you're not even ranked. So right. I think lightweight is this in-between mix where... They're big enough to knock each other out, but they're small enough that they don't gas and they have good technique and they're elite level athletes. So I think it's, you know, bang for your buck as far as excitement, as far as quality of fighting. I think the lightweight division is the best division. And I think it's kind of been historically when you when you look like when you look at the the champions, you know, Khabib was a former champion, Connor, BJ. You've had some really, you know, top guys, uh, explosive guys, exciting guys as the champions in the lightweight division. Yeah, so this is the thing. In general, I agree, but I think that 170 is the peak of that. So they still have speed in 170, but you get a lot of guys that are skilled with very different looks, right? So, for example, if we talk about somebody like a, a Stephen Thompson and his level of karate, you don't see that level of karate below 170, only above, right? You have a 170 or you, you go to a Machida or some of those, you know, guys. Now, I'm not saying no guys, there's no guys with karate that's able to put it in the MMA below that. I'm saying it, it becomes different at 170 you pretty much can get a look of almost every guy that you would have in every division. You have really true one-punch knockout artists that will come at 170. You have your wrestlers. You have your karate guys. The mix is is so much greater. And even if we talk about historically, I would argue that all of the champions, if weight wasn't an issue, for the most part, I would – bet on the 170 champion so if we talk about Usman if we talk about Woodley Woodley's breaking my heart right now not current Woodley back when Woodley you know was doing his thing but we look at that we Game look at Lawler Woodley. exactly we look at Lawler we look at Hendrix on the Royce Hendrix on steroids was a monster we look at GSP I'll even put Matt Sarah in there even though I don't think he ever should have been a, a, a 170 pound guy He's going to give a lot of guys issues at 155, right? And then, of course, you have Matt Hughes. And BJ Penn is kind of a wash because he was both a 155 champ and a 170 champ, right? So, uh, but I think the size, especially when you talk about height, is not that different. So these guys can fight in each other's category somewhat. The frame is a little bit different. Usually your 170 guy is a little bit bigger frame. But we have seen guys move up from 55 to 70 and do good. But it's never 
win the title and beat the champ good. It's beat some good guys that may have names, but they're on the downslide or something like that. You know, they may beat a Robbie Lawler, like, you know, a Dos Anjos or something like that, go and beat a Robbie Lawler or something. But when it when you talk about those, especially right now, what we have, if we talk about the top five at welterweight, you have Usman, Kobe Covington, Burns, former 155 guy, Edwards, and uh, Vicente Luque. That is a monster of top five. And, you know, Masvidal comes in, you know, slightly below that, right? And he's still a big problem. Now, some people would say, but you have guys like Masvidal and Burns that were former 55 guys that did some damage at 70. And I would agree, but I think the difference is, once again, sometimes you have these guys that can make a certain weight class but they're really sacrificing a lot to do it, right? And once they stop cutting as much weight and everything like that, and they move more into a natural weight class, now they're able to do what they, you know, really should be able to do. And neither one of those guys are small men. I think think, uh, Burns is about 5'10", with a neck bigger than his ears. And, you know, Masvidal was pretty slim at 55. I think he's about 5'11", 6 foot, something like that. So, you know, I think sometimes MMA and boxing and stuff gives people a, a, a skewed depiction of what a 6 foot, 155 pound man looks like right that is a that's a pretty small man that extra 15 pounds can be a lot especially when you're really hurting yourself to get down to that weight and just to compare really quick the lightweight version of that is Oliveira, it's good portier gaichi darius and uh uh chandler i do not think that top five if we erase the weight class and make them of similar size beats that welterweight top five. And we can even go further down the list. Well, I think that's where, um, I think when you get a little bit deeper, the lightweight division gets better when you got like Desanos and Ferguson, you know, deep down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, you know, like a Darius and, uh, Islam, they're, they're hard to argue. They hurt my point because they're currently ranked high, but they haven't kind of, you know, they're on winning streaks and I'm not trying to mm-hmm. shit on what they're doing, but they don't have, you know, the prestige of a wonder boy right. or, or, or these guys that are, are at that level right now. But I think something that kind of helps my point a little bit is the lightweight division is completely in flux right now. And a lot of divisions when the champion just drops out and you've had some like recent retires as people leave the division, like the divisions go to crap. Like sometimes divisions mm-hmm. take years to regroup. Mm-hmm. And the lightweight division is coming off of it, its two biggest stars having a major injury and then Khabib retiring. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And uh, so all that stuff kind of hurts the division that's definitely on a downslope because uh, they've just had a lot of changes. But I think when you look at the depth, mm-hmm. um, I think that's where they come in a little bit more. You know, Tony Ferguson's at seven. When when you know, And I know he's on a downslide. And mm-hmm. sometimes those three fight or whatever losing streaks turn into BJ Penn, where now mm-hmm. you just don't win fights anymore. Right. But I think it's a little bit deeper. Um, but 
I think one of the things you brought up is one of the things that puts the biggest hole in my argument is the fact that so many of these guys are the same guys in the same body type mm-hmm. that they kind of are interchangeable. You know, Dos Anjos, right. I'm going to argue him as, you know, a lightweight when he was the welterweight champ a couple right. of years ago. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. the the two weight divisions are so interchangeable that, you know, you look at Nate Diaz and Cowboy and, and so mm-hmm. many of these guys are bouncing between the two just based on what you're saying, if they want to cut the weight or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think George Masvidal is basically just shows what if you commit to that, you know, like if you go up to welder weight, but you commit to it where you put on the, uh, you know, the body weight. And, yeah, the, you right. know, put on the muscle yeah. and tr- turn yourself into true welterweight. You could do it, but I guess really what I'm thinking with lightweights, most of these guys are like black belts at everything. Mm-hmm. And now with welterweight, you do get more of the like the oh a wrestler versus because you you know wrestler versus karate. Like they for some reason that little jump makes the guys a little bit more stylistic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more style there. I think at lightweight, like, or if you're a lightweight, you have to be basically a black belt at everything or you would be exposed. Like Dustin Poirier is a stand-up fighter, but he has really good wrestling. Because if you go out in the, in the lightweight division, if you can't wrestle, you'll be exposed quick. You know? Right. Yeah. If you're just a straight, pure wrestler, you know, Khabib dropped Connor. If you don't have any type of hands or no type of stand-up, you'll be exposed quick. So I think... Like, it's the most well-rounded, where you have to be elite level at every single skill set in order to even crack the top 10, really. If you look at almost all those guys, they have, like, a real diverse skill set. Versus a lot of the welterweights where these guys are one-trick ponies. Yeah, I think um, I think the, the difference there is, I think as you go up a little a little bit higher it's almost like there's a curve almost like a bell curve where it's like in certain divisions you have to be more well-rounded and in others you have to be a specialist right and um you know i think there's a bit of a curve there and i think at 170 you got to be a little bit more of a specialist but in most categories you're champion is a specialist right so even if we look at Khabib you know who was the the champ of 55 I mean yeah he did drop Connor but we all know he wasn't winning stand-up fights like he wasn't gonna win a a five-round stand-up fight against almost anybody in the top 10 of the division Um, and it's not because he's not good he's good but his wrestling is so dominant and that was the difference maker for him. Um, and when you, for a second, I just want to touch on the champions. When you talk about champions in these divisions, and this is where kind of that depth come in at different areas, the champion of each division is usually a person that's um, for one, as I mentioned, they're usually pretty, specialized in one area but also in a lot of cases size wise especially when you have these divisions that are close they're usually a person that's at the edge of the size for that division i don't know if you've ever seen like there's been a couple occasions where you see khabib next to uh tyron woodley or next to a gsp or something like that khabib is a big guy 
when you see him neck, you don't think about it because you think, hey, these are two different weight classes and he's a smaller guy. It's like, no, Khabib has missed weight in the past for a reason, you know? Uh, or or I don't know if he officially missed, but you get what I'm saying. Because he loves tiramisu. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> but um, if we look at 170, I think Usman is right there too. I just think for whatever reason, his team is good at putting him on the right weight and everything, but he's a really big guy when you see him, relatively speaking, for uh, 170, right? Uh, especially the amount of size he puts on that frame. And now you add that to being a very dominant wrestler. Does he have stand-up? Yes, of course. We see him, you know, KO, uh, Burns, and Masvidal. But the reality is that's not his thing. If he didn't have the big wrestling threat, those fights are very different, right? You only even get certain shots because that person is hesitant because of the threat of your wrestling. So, uh, but the depth that you talked about, I definitely agree with. And, you know, as I said, I think it's because you just have so many more people in the population that can either not cut weight or cut some weight and get to that 155 and be in shape right um and i think it's just one of those things it's it's so close in between other divisions and then of course as we know for a long time in the ufc that was the smallest division right um so and you know shoot they even got rid of that for a while but uh you know when you have situations like that you had a lot of people trying to kind of fit into that category and in in a lot of the gyms the funny thing and i know you've been to more than one gym before i've been to more than one gym before now i don't know about uh um you know a gym that's like you know all professionals that's a totally different scenario but just your regular gym where you're learning uh you know jujitsu and and you know muay thai kickboxing or whatever there's usually way more smaller dudes in the gym than bigger dudes you know, and so for some reason, I think that frame uh, works out, that weight class works out well for different frames. And you see so many different frames, wiry guys, you know, uh, wider guys, everything in, in that lightweight. And I think that's why they have the depth. But, um, you know, you mentioned Dustin Portier, like literally if we just went across the board and I said, okay, who would win between, and we'll go based on the current list, right? Who would win between Oliver and Usman? I'm taking Usman all day. If I said Portier and Kobe Covington, we already saw, even though Portier's a wrestler, we saw what Khabib was able to do. And I'm not a fan of Kobe Covington, but you know me. My, my, what I, what I, when I analyze sports, it's unbiased. It doesn't have anything to do with, people's outside life it's a lot of these people i don't like but they are who they are as a fighter you have to give it to a kobe covington is highly skilled and people sleep on him you combine the cardio that he has which is cardio for days in the wrestling he's a problem and it's not like his stand-up sucks i see that not going too different than a portier khabib fight went right burns and gaichi i think is a is it can go either way i'm a big fan of gaichi as you know uh, I see that as going either way. Both of them are big guys. Gaethje is not a small guy. He could easily be a 170. Uh, I mean, Gaethje could have the wrestling to keep Burns off of him. 
Yes. Yep. And then and he turn it into his fight, and, and yep. nobody wants to fight Gaethje at his fight. Exactly. I agree. Um, Darius Edwards. I give that to Edwards. Uh, Luke Chandler. I think Chandler has still been hit way too many times, and I think he would try and get into a slugfest with Luke, and Luke would win the slugfest. Uh, Islam versus Thompson. I can see that either way. Islam is not quite enough proven to me, but I really like him and I like his skill set. So I see that as going either way. But you kind of have two that's a top up, a toss up, and the rest of them I all I see all going toward welterweight. And once again, I'm saying if all things are even, just looking at the skill of what they're able to do in their skill set, um, I just don't see the lightweight guys kind of you know now once again as you said if we go down the roster we go top 20 top 25 it's a different story well and and i guess that's where you got to be more specific when i say the best and and i think like one of the things i think of when i say that is it's a meat grinder so if you're watching if i'm watching just a random espn ufc event I will more likely to pay attention. If there's two middleweights I never heard of, I I don't know. I, I'm not going to be as interested. If there's two lightweights, even if I don't know them, I'm usually going to be pretty interested in that fight, and it's usually a good fight. And uh, one of the things that you hit on, and I think a lot of the reason, I think it's such a deep division like across the board because physically, you know, you hinted on how like a percentage of the population is just closer to that size where they're either at that weight or could cut to that weight. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at athletes, we've talked about before how UFC is changing the game for some of these guys that are have different skill sets. But for a long, long, long time, if you're 6'1", 200 pounds, if you're a big guy, you know what I mean? You're going to play football. You're going to play baseball. Right. You're going to play basketball because you can make millions of dollars doing it. And it's, you know, the sports that are out there. So I think, you know, the martial arts and you know, this kind of stuff was what was left for a lot of these guys that were of that body type to where mm-hmm. you're an elite level athlete. You, you know, I think a guy like Michael Johnson, he he played like, I think linebacker or something like that. That's crazy. And he, yeah. And he played like Juco, but he was good. And we've played football with guys that are like that, you know, they're a little undersized, but if you can hit, you can hit. And some of these guys are just good, mm-hmm. but ultimately you're still too small to ever go pro or ever make money doing that. But now you can get into this. So I just think it's it's a weight class where not only is there a lot of people at that body type, but there's a lot of athletes that have nowhere to go that can gravitate to that. It, it, but I also think that's why welterweight is the same thing because they're so close that it's pretty interchangeable. Like those welterweight guys are the guys that are on the cusp. I think the difference, though, you, you tend to see in welterweight, those are the guys that put more muscle on their frame. Right. And that's where I was kind of say, saying the bigger frame. Right. Even if you look at the champions throughout history, you look at Usman, you look at um, Woodley, you look at Lawler, you look at Hendricks, you look at GSP, you look at Matt Hughes. Those guys were all very muscular guys. If we go down a list of lightweight, Oliveira, uh, Khabib, Connor, Alvarez, all, um, Dos Anjos, Pettis. Hendo, Bendo, uh, even I'm not saying they were not um, 
Like these guys were not guys that were out of shape or, you know, a couple of them are slim, but you don't look at them and think that's a big muscular guy. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that's one of those differences, but that's also one of those things in cutting weight. Right. So I think if you're that smaller guy, if you're in that size range and you don't have a lot of muscle on you, you cut to 55. And I think more of the population even athletes don't a lot of them don't put on a lot of muscle they may be cut or whatever but it's a slim it's a slim muscle it's not a you know a thick muscle that they'll have on their frame and i think that's why you don't see the 170 guys if you do really good at 170 you're less likely to see them try to cut down to 55 and and if you remember that was one of um that was also one of um one of GSP's arguments, GSP was really, really lean, but he was very muscular. So, you know, to cut down to 55 and he wasn't a big guy. A lot of these one seventies, when you see him standing next to one fifty five guys, a lot of the one fifty five guys appear to be bigger. Woodley was smaller than almost everybody. If you remember, I remember in the fight group where I had put up that picture when Woodley was champ, at 55 and Nunez was the 145 women's champion. She was like twice his size, right? So um, it's it, when you get into the Usman, the Kobe Covingtons, these guys are now big guys at 170, right? But previously the 170 guy was pretty much the same size as the lightweight, but with thicker muscle on the frame. Um, but I think you brought up a good point with the athlete, um, Especially football, because I think football players, the size of football players is more representative of the population and athletes and everything like that. When you get into stuff like basketball, those are not regular human beings, <laughs> right? It's like uh, back in the day when you didn't realize how big of a size difference. So you would see a guy like maybe you know, Randy Moss being larger than anybody in football. You see a guy like T.O., he's like 6'2", 6'3", or something. You like, they look like really big guys. And then you would have those celebrity mixed basketball games. And you're like, man, who is that little dude running down the court? He look, he, he, he kind of good. And it's like T.O., but he's next yeah. to a real basketball player. <laughs> so, and then you think about it, it's like, you know, six two is like a really small point guard in the, you know in the NBA. So I think that um, to your point, especially when you look at junior college, D two, D three, all of that, those guys a lot of times were really skilled guys and great athletes that were really undersized. When they look at, will you be able to take the wear and tear of the league? And so a lot of times they didn't make it. And to your point, they didn't have anywhere to go. Right. And so um, I think that's where you um, where you get, as you said, a lot of these guys, because Michael Johnson, I think he's about 5'11". So it's not like that's a small guy for football. It's not a big guy, but it's not like, you know, he's a really small guy. But now you take that that guy and he was another one of those guys. It was a slim, you know, a slim frame. He didn't put a lot of muscle in his frame, but at 5'11", you add some muscle to that frame, he's a whole different person at 170, right? But it's harder for them to put on that muscle unless you're already of bigger frame. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like, yes, yeah, some guys can lift and lift, and they just don't get the size on. You know what I mean? They, they'll they get some size, mm-hmm. but some people can bulk up, some people can't. Or they sacrifice too much. They just get way too slow when they're trying to add size. Um, uh, one, one example I wanted to use, you, you mentioned, like, T.O., mm-hmm. you know, when you don't realize how big these guys are. The example I always like to use is Chauncey Billups because we're, we're yeah. from Detroit, uh-huh. you know? So we watch the Pistons, and we like Chauncey Billups, and he runs around. You're like, oh, look at Chauncey. He's a yeah, little, little guy. cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, Chauncey Billups is 6'3", 210. Yeah, exactly. That's a giant Not too tool. at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, I mean, you figure, even if you look at somebody that was a, uh, you know, I'm not the tallest guy in the world at all of 5'11", right? But even if you look at, in my mind, I'm not that short, right? When you're just walking around every day. But then you take somebody like AI. He looked like the smallest guy in the world in the NBA. He's like 6'1 or something. Six foot, six one, something like that. Now, he wasn't a big guy. I think he was only about 190. But still, that's not a small guy. We take that and bring that over to MMA. You know, he has to cut down to make 170, and he's bigger than Usman. You know, so it, it's so many things you you tend to only compare it in the realm that it's in. But when you look across the board at different sports and everything, it really gives you a different perspective of size and everything like that. And like I say, you know, these NBA players, that is a you know, they are of an ancient species that, that we don't that we don't know about that still every now and then, you know, implants women with babies to, that make them, you know, extremely tall. Like, how do you get Shaq? How can he be a human being? How is that how even that possible? And this is what's funny. I saw a clip and I think people forget because Shaq had, you know, end up putting on so much weight and then his foot problems and stuff later in the years. But if if people go back and watch Orlando Magic Shaq, it, he was ridiculous. And so it was a thing with him and Jordan playing around. And Jordan said something to him or whatever, and he got the ball. It was, it was like a shoot-around, like before a game or whatever. And he took and shook Jordan and, like, like faked him, took it between his legs, faked him one way, went the other way, and then, like, laid it up. Or didn't do, like, the shack where it's like, I'm going to overpower you or anything like that. Like, at 7-1, he had those kind of moves. That's not a regular human being. Well, <clears throat> and I also seen him, uh, I seen him and Charles Barkley in a bench press contest. And I seen uh, Shaq bench press 315. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, that's three plates. That's... <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. And in that, you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Charles Barkley was messing with him and had some fake weights or something. Was he? <laughs> yeah, if I'm not mistaken, if it's the video I'm thinking of. Because you know those two always going at it about something, which is hilarious. But, yeah, but um, overall, I would say when you mention the depth, the only reason why I kind of pointed out what, what I said was because you said, the best and the deepest. If you just say the best, now it's argue. It, it's there's an argument as to what does that mean. And if you said, well, I think they're the best because there's so much depth there and so many good guys, then I would say, well, yeah, I would have to agree. But if you say best and deepest, now I'm only I'm looking at best as if I match this guy to this guy, this guy to this guy. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it makes sense. 
and when I really looked at it, and and for the record, you know, I'm an '80s baby, so I still do like bar arguments. So when I was saying that, <laughs> I didn't look at any facts or anything. I was like. I think I was actually at like this deep dish pizza place and I was like drinking a two hearted and eating a piece of pizza and telling you that, no, I know for a fact. For a fact. That, of course. You know, and then when I started looking at it, it definitely, <laughs> but so what I said best, what I think, I think it's the deepest division and I think it always, it's always been a real deep division. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of the most exciting division in that it's always consistently exciting fights. There's yeah. not a lot of boring, lightweight fights. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. The funny thing is, me loving just, you know, MMA in general, um, there's not too many divisions that I don't really like or see exciting fights. I think overall, definitely 155 is going to put on more than others, but I think it's because of that depth. You know that a win streak really doesn't mean a lot at 155. You have to do something spectacular to get noticed to get that title shot. And, um, you know, one thing I did want to mention, though, I, I forgot about when you had uh, mentioned Khabib and kind of how things are shaking out. Um, I think the biggest difference as to what's going on right now at 55 compared to what you normally see um, in um, when a, a champ um, that's kind of been there for a little bit, leaves, and then it's a big void. I think the difference is, and people will probably not like me for saying this, but I think it's because Khabib didn't, um, usually when we think, especially people we put in a GOAT conversation, you think of that person all but clearing out the division, right? And any guys that are there, They've beat up on each other and fought each other so much. And then a champ has beat up on them or fought them twice and everything like that, that it becomes a little bit more difficult. You need a little bit more new blood in there because so many guys are so familiar with each other. And I don't think Khabib ever got to that status, right? Um, the undefeated record and everything is good. but And I don't remember if we talked about this before or not, but... When I compare his actual resume to other people that would be in that GOAT conversation, I just don't feel as though he has the resume or the tenure to really reign over his division. And I'm not talking about just time, time and fights. Um, Unfortunately, as we know, early in Khabib's career, he had a lot of injuries. He spent a lot of, it, it looks like the win streak, time-wise would make you think it's more fights in between there but you know just in general he had injuries he was out here out here I think the one of his longest streaks I think he was out for a year and a half almost two years or something like that uh but he seemed to dial it in more once he became champion but we know there was quite a few fights where something happened and then he couldn't fight or this that and the other so when I look at that, I think that's the reason why you, when you look at Oliveira, Portier, Gaethje, Darius, Chandler, Islam, Hooker, Ferguson, Anjos, those guys haven't beat up all on each other yet, right? So you still have a very viable division where you got some exciting fights as it tries to sort out who's going to be that next king. And this is what's really exciting. I don't think it's clear, Right. I think those are a lot of good guys. And I think on, you know, it's one of those who's having 
a night that night because I think a lot of those guys could beat each other. You know, Oliveira Portier, I think, is up next. Who wins that? I mean, that literally could go either way. And it could be, what's weird is, it can be one-sided either way, in my opinion. That's what makes it so weird. You don't you don't want to ask me because I'm the guy that's been saying Oliveira is overrated for the last four <laughs> fights. But listen, even if you say that, I'll I'll take that. But it go is well, one note. Go ahead. I'm just saying, but he's on the biggest tear of his life, right? Yeah, and he's like like humiliating. He's like he's winning these fights. He's looking yeah. great, and every every fight, I'm like, ah, oh, these you know. I've watched Oliveira a lot, and this is the fight he loses, and he dominates. And then I say it again, and he dominates. So. So this fight, you know who I think is going to win? I think Poirier is going to beat his ass because that's what <laughs> so I do. So you can is switch I, it up? <laughs> well, I always fucking pick, you know, I picked them to beat, all, you know, Oliver's ass. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe this might be the guy. I have <laughs> but, a similar relationship with John Jones. Listen, we're not even going to talk about John Jones. He's He's another person that breaks my heart every day. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but, uh... But uh, no, and that's the thing. Oliveira to me reminds me a lot of uh, Dos Anjos. Not in their styles or anything, but you almost wrote them off as B-level fighters and then out of nowhere they go on a tear and they're a champion. And you're like, where did that come from, right? When Dos Anjos uh, had... Supplements. I definitely think so with Dos Anjos, but I don't know what Oliveira, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. With Dos Anjos, I definitely think so because when when he had fought uh, uh, Pettis and the way that he walked through Pettis and, and, you know, if you go back and watch that fight, it's not as if Pettis wasn't tagging him. Pettis was getting off his body kicks and everything like that. He walked through them like Pettis was a child and he was playing with him, throwing punches, right? And then out of nowhere, he was, like, champion. And it was like, I was surprised. I was like, wait a minute, is it a new Dos Anjos out there? Like, this isn't the same guy. And I think Oliveira, uh, although he doesn't look like a Terminator, he's not just walking through everything, right? But I, I think he's another one of those guys where a lot of people may have wrote him off as a journeyman or a B-level fighter, and then next thing you know, he's champion, but when you look at who he's beat, also, you know, on that road, beating Chandler, beating Ferguson, Kevin Lee, you know, was a guy that I really liked, but, you know, he's really, you know, going downhill, you know what I mean? But Kevin Lee just got his ass beat again, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a mental thing. It's something he got going on that may be a mental thing. And unfortunately, just like what uh, Woodley's going through right now, the mental thing is the hardest to get over, you know, and I think it's the hardest for guys because it's not as if your BJ Penn, where he didn't have it anymore. You saw it. You saw it in his body. You saw it in his speed. He didn't have it anymore. When you look at a guy like Woodley or a guy like Kevin Lee, I don't think there's a diminishment of skills. I think it's something mental that they haven't been able to get over you know, to get to that next thing. And unfortunately, you know, Woodley now, I think he's just going to make a new career as a, um, as a uh, celebrity fighter or something like that. I think his days with, um, in MMA is over, you know, cause you didn't hear about anybody going after him 
Bellator won PFL, you know, there was no buzz once he was out of UFC and, you know, especially Bellator, you know, they'll, they'll take anybody. So that tells you kind of how they were thinking about him. And then, you know, the Jake Paul ha- fight happens and I'm pretty sure that didn't help. <laughs> but, uh, but just saying that <laughs> Oliveira really beat some, you know, some, you could still sell guys. Woodley in Japan. Yeah. You know, I don't know how the Japan market Man, is really doing right you've now. Really, you've really given yeah. up on it. That was so hesitant. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. Especially if you talk about just in Asia period, like if he went somewhere like one, those guys over in one are big. So unless he's planning on getting some supplements, you know, giving Dos Anjos a call or something, you know, <laughs> getting some supplements, then, you know, I see it going not too different than what Mighty Mouse is experiencing, what, uh, you know, the last person that should have went over there was Eddie Alvarez. You know, I, I don't think he, um, I think he's natural. You know, I don't think he takes anything like that, but he's never, ever, ever been known as a guy with a big chin, right? Even when you talk about the wars, he and, he and uh, Chandler had over in Bellator, it was some of the best fights ever if people haven't checked those out. But, and you look at, you know, you look at what Connor did to him and he's not known for the best chin. He usually overwhelms guys, right? He went over there to one and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's not good. <laughs> so it's been, it's been tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that shows, I mean, I know you're a big fan of one, but a lot Definitely. of people sleep on it because it's not the, the organization that they've heard of or whatever. So people assume if it's not the UFC, mm-hmm. well, then your number two is Bellator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and yeah, they have some, you know, they bring in some names. They do some make, they make good fights over at Bellator, but it, that's still a triple A ball. I feel like. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, it's actually hard for me to watch Bellator. I'm not sure why it just, I don't know what it is. Something about Bellator. It, I just don't see the skill level that I see in the UFC and in one. It, it's almost like, um, it's not a skill thing, but I'm not sure what it is. It's almost like um, it's almost like a lot of those guys are kind of stuck in the mud. You know, I guess that's the best way to explain it. the way that they. I'm probably saying this all wrong compared to what's in my head, right? But it's like everything about the production. It seems like it's a lot of guys that's past their prime that's having good clashes against one another. That's the best way to explain it. Well, I mean, you said production with it, which I think is a big deal. Yeah, so that's I think a fact that uh, I think that uh, I think it's Scott Coker. I, I don't think Scott Coker has it anymore. I like Scott Coker. I mean, uh, most of the stuff he's done in the past, I was a big fan. Um, but I don't think he's got it anymore. Yeah, it could be that. You know, um, could be that. It could also be. You know, it's. I don't think they did a good job of finding their own talent. Everybody else does. UFC finds talent. Uh, One finds talent. PFL finds talent. I mean, hell, they they got Clarissa Shields to come over there, right? Uh, Bellator, everything that is Bellator is people that, you know, 
never champions pretty much in the UFC or, you know, was well past their prime or something like that. And I think when you combine that with the production aspect and everything, it just, it's like it gives you an older product, right? It's like the product doesn't look polished to me. And you you look at that and then you look at the people and it's like, uh, do I really want to, do I really want to watch this? Do I get excited, you know, watching, you know, Ryan Bader versus, versus, uh, um, anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that whole division <laughs> is nothing but old UFC. Right. And so it's like, and everybody pretty much that was in the UFC around that time fighting in that division is gone. And there's so much new blood in the UFC. And almost all those guys are over at in Bellator. And it's like, where's the new blood? You know, where's the, when that guy comes over there, where's the guy in Bellator to say, okay, we have some problems. Like I said, you know, Mighty Mouse goes over there to one. He wins the tournament, gets the belt for the tournament. But, you know, they still have one of those formats where there's a tournament champ and then a, a champ. Okay, now you go and fight the champ and it's like the champ is, you know, tearing everybody up and, it doesn't go really well for you. Where is that type of talent bred in Bellator, right? If you do have it, it's really old. You know, Pitbull, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name um, that um, Paige just beat this time? Um, what is his name? Uh, his cousin fights in the UFC. Um Cousin name is Diego. Uh, you got to know who I'm talking about. I'll think about it in a minute. But um, so, you know, you, you look at him. He was he was fighting for championships way back when Ben Askren was in Bellator. How long ago was that? Right. And it's not yeah. like it's not like these are scenarios where it's a John Jones or somebody where you were just winning all this time and on a tear. No, you've been an up and down champion, not champion, you know, type of deal. And when you look at those guys, a lot of that was before Coker took over uh, Bellator. What has he grown in Bellator? You get what I'm saying? It's, uh, Douglas Lima. Lima, yeah, yep, yeah. But uh, and I, I and Lima was one of those guys back in the day. I really wanted to see in the UFC. I was a big fan of big fan of Lima. Um, and you know, his cousin who I think, uh, uh, Doug, I think Douglas is, um, is, uh, more skilled than his cousin Diego. Although I I do like his cousin. I like Douglas, his style and everything a lot better, but, uh, Diego, I think end up getting in through ultimate fighter, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, you know, but you know, how long has Douglas been there? Like literally he fought Ben Askren for the championship back in, you know, 1984. <laughs> but look, I think Lima knocked out and Paige, right? And then now and Paige beat him one. in a split decision. Mm-hmm. You got to run that back, right? Yeah. And this is the thing. I don't disagree with that, but the, the point being, Douglas has been this has been his roller coaster. 
kind of like before Michael Chandler came over to the UFC, right? He went back and he went back and forth with um with Alvarez. He went back and forth with Pitbull. You know, all these different things. It's like it's not like their homegrown guy is there because he's blowing everybody out of the water and just defending championships. You get what I'm saying? He's an up and down, up and down, up and down guy. So where's the new blood? How he many times can one. we watch that? You say what? Oh, no, 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 no. Never mind. I was looking at this wrong thing. <laughs> you know, so that's what I'm saying. You know, instead of signing all of these old UFC guys, I think that you get a few names in there, but then you start building your own names. And I see other leagues doing that. I just don't see Bellator doing it. Now, maybe there are some guys I don't know, you know, I don't know about, but I only hear about the same names, you know, the uh, Pitbull, like, he's another guy. Like, how long has he been there? He fights in every division. (laughs) (laughs) He's 135, chat 145, 155. Every time he loses, he just goes to another division. (laughs) Even when you get into older, you got, like, Matt Mitrione. Exactly. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah, Bellator is really kind of turned itself into the senior division. Yeah, Gegard is good, and I've always liked Gegard, but it's another one. Like, I mean, I remember when Gegard was having little practice matches back in the day with Fedor, and it was so exciting, and they was doing little grappling matches and stuff like that. That was like twenty years ago, right? (laughs) You get what I'm saying? It's like, and and he wasn't a Bellator guy. He was a I think he was M1 first, and then I think he went over to Strike Force, then the UFC, then you know he in dispute with the UFC because he couldn't get a title shot, um, and then I think he might have went one more place before Bellator. Dream. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Gegar could be the most diverse. Cause I'm looking at it. He's fought for Pride. M1, Bodog, Dream, Mm -hmm. Strike Force, UFC, Bellator. Yeah, Uh, I think the only person that's fought more places than than Gegard is is Reem. Overeem fought for everybody. The only thing thing Gegard's missing is uh, the Elite Elite XC. (laughs) They were around. It was too short of a, a, a block, or he would have been there too, but... Gegard, and this is the thing, too. It's not even that I'm saying that these guys are not skilled. That's why I was saying it's hard for me to describe because I think Gegard is highly skilled. But I want to see a Gegard against a homegrown, you know, what is Gegard at? I know he fought at 85 and 205. I don't know what he's fighting at now, but let's he just say. He still fights at both. Yeah, let's just say uh, 85. I want to see a homegrown 85 guy that you can put against a guy like Gegar, and I can see the passing of the torch, right? Where is that type of stuff? No, they don't have it. It's just uh, these same old guys beating each other up. <laughs> I mean, U- we're talking U- about U- the C people. Heavyweight division. <laughs> uh, I mean, Bellator is the one that put on uh, Kimbo versus Dada, right? Yeah, that's sad. Very sad. I mean, I think enough said. If you run that fight out there, you'll, you'll you'll put anything on. Yeah, didn't they put on? Uh, 
Didn't they put on like a Hoist Gracie fight like a couple years ago or something? Was that Bellator? Uh, versus Ken Shamrock, I think, right? I think it was. Like, yeah, I, I, I hate to see stuff like that. But, you know. Yeah, I, I uh, hate to see it too. I, I know it was Ken Shamrock though because I watched it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't watch it. I did not want to see, see that. What, what, what channel? I, I did not want to see Senior Citizen fights. <laughs> You know, in, in that sense, uh, you know, um, he, yeah, he fought Ken Shamrock in 2016. Yeah, like that's just a couple years. That's crazy. A guy that was in UFC one. Both guys. I think, did. I think that's the one where he popped for too, didn't he? <laughs> Probably. What else are you gonna do? You're 150 years old. You gotta take something. Right. Listen, once you reach a certain age. They should just allow it, like, listen, like how you have uh, different medical exemptions. Like, listen, you got the 50-year-old exemption. Let's go ahead and take whatever you need, get really healthy, and come on and fight. <laughs> but, I think, uh, uh, so yeah, he was 50. Yeah. He fought Ken Shamrock when he was 50. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Especially, you know, it's um his style of MMA in my opinion, is so primitive to today's MMA. Now, I don't know about, you know, Gracie techniques in a street fight or anything like that. We're talking about organized MMA under MMA rules. It's so primitive compared to today's MMA. It has evolved so much where I don't want to see anybody from that era. I don't care how in shape you are, how good you feel or anything like that. I don't want to see you in a cage. You know, maybe you can do a, a master's division jujitsu match. I would see that like uh, when Hoyler and, um, and Eddie Bravo had their rematch. I watched that. Right. But it's, it's jujitsu. I'm not watching two old guys try to, you know, smash each other's teeth in. <laughs> sounds <know>? terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but overall, um, you know, for what we talked about for, you know, the actual 55 versus 70, I think that'll always be an argument out there. I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer. It really just depends on what you look at as being what 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 you categorically look at when you're saying what the best is. And I think they're going to continue to be two of the best divisions for the reasons we mentioned. I think you have a lot of people in the the population, both U.S. and abroad, that fits into that 155 to 170. Most, as we know, the average height in, I think, America, which is one of the taller places, is only about 5'9", right? So you're 5'9", and let's say you're 5'8 to 6'0'' guy can fit into that 155 to 170. And I think from that that height, you're going to cover a lot of guys. Now you make that guy in shape, he can make one of those depending on how much muscle he got. And I think that's why you're going to continue to see a lot of good guys come through those those divisions. Heavyweights, they're a different breed. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, like you said, it's not, a, it's not a coincidence that the two weight classes we're talking about are – back to back you know mm-hmm. everything we said like you said the size of people um nowhere for small athletes to go 
Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's one A and one B, and I think it just kind of shows that the fact that there were the two that were debating are the same ones. Like you said, one fifty five or one seventy. That's the debate you. That's the same debate you have after you lost three fights. Like, <laughs> right. oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go up a division and <laughs> yeah. change it up. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You I'll don't go see fight that one seventy in, in a lot of other. You know, you don't you don't see that in too much in let's say a two hundred five in heavyweight or something like that. Right. It's like you go on a losing streak, you retire. <laughs> anything else anything else to wrap it up no i think that's it i think uh i think this is a, a good example of why you usually pick the topics because i just be saying shit you no know? i, I think it was it good out. no this was a really good one i like this topic this was a good one and you know it it, it allowed us to dive in on just even some of the reasons some of the things that people may not look at frames you know things of that sort i think it was a good uh good one so there's nothing else thank you all for listening this has been another fat boy mma podcast come back and listen to the next one that wraps up another fat boy mma podcast if you have a topic for us please email us at fatboymma 55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.